Good morning, everyone. It is the 29th of March. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Richard Byrne and Asim Kadri. It was a risk-off week, with COVID-19 still creating uncertainty in many parts of the world. On the positive side, though, President Biden promised 200 million vaccinations within the first 100 days of the programme, having hit his 100 million target in half that time. And Jay Powell of the Federal Reserve tried to reassure markets he's expecting an orderly adjustment to better growth and stated that 2021 will be a very, very good year. Richard, how is all this playing out in the growth and value sectors of the equity markets? Thanks, Lorna. We've seen quite a mixed week, to be honest. Month-to-date value is still in vogue. You've got various macro data that's slightly disappointing, you know, in the US, but in Europe, you've also got a situation where it could be extended lockdowns or possibilities of a third wave, which, you know, led to a volatile week overall. But in terms of value versus growth versus quality, et cetera, Value is still the, the key player. It's still dominating in terms of best performer, both in a year-to-date basis and a month-to-date basis. Slightly different maybe between the US and Europe when you look at value for last week in particular. It was still quite strong, not necessarily the best, but still quite strong. Value in the US is dominated again by tech companies. Now, they're a different style of tech companies, but it's mainly dominated by tech companies, say Europe, where value is mainly dominated by industrials or materials or financials, for example. Yes, that is quite a key difference. The oil price had a fairly volatile week too, even by recent standards. What's driving these price swings? Yeah, I guess for oil, I mean, folks has all been on the Suez Canal. The cargo ship ever given has caused quite a blockage. So we're looking at possibly 450 ships blocked either side of the Suez Canal. A large proportion of what's been held up is indeed crude. And looking at last week, crude did reach initial highs, but has come off, you know, partially due to macro data and possible lockdowns in Europe, but also the refloating of the ever given cargo ship that is blocking the Suez Canal. Certainly being pulled in both directions, isn't it? The oil price and, of course, the ever given. It's putting pressure on global trade, though, beyond the oil sector. Is that fair to say, Asim? Hi, Lorna. Yes, that's right. The global trade has seen massive disruption, uh, which is quite unsurprising given around 12% of total global trade passes through the Suez Canal. In particular, millions of manufactured goods make their way from China and South Asia to Europe via the canal. And with that in mind, the grounding of the ship has come at a particularly busy time since trade has been picking up after the Chinese New Year, which saw factories in China close down. According to reports, the blockage is costing $400 million an hour in goods for global trade. And clearly many international companies are facing significant supply chain disruptions because of the blockage. So with the prospect of the ship remaining stuck for a few more days, potentially, clearly the delays in goods, the cost impact for businesses will continue to rise. Yes, and quite a sort of backup there. But if we stay with the emerging markets then, we're starting to see the strain of potentially firming dollar playing out among the usual suspects like Russia, Brazil. But Turkey has its own idiosyncratic story at the moment, it seems. Yes, that's right. So last week, the Turkish president sacked a central bank chief. He had been seen really as playing a crucial role over recent months in driving high the Turkish currency, the lira, from its current lows. So since the appointment of the central bank government in November last year, the Turkish lira you know, had recovered pretty sharply versus the US dollar. And at one point early this year, the lira was the best performing currency year to date. So quite a contrast to what we've seen over recent years. The central bank had played a crucial role in restoring confidence in the lira and Turkish assets more generally you know, via more kind of orthodox monetary policy. So clearly markets didn't react well to the news last week of the government's firing. 
And on Monday, last week that is, the currency depreciated as much as 14% and the Turkish stock market lost a tenth of its value. As you've touched upon, this has all come at a sensitive time for emerging markets in general. Given the increase in US yields and the US dollar we've seen over recent weeks, and that's clearly added to the investor unease we saw last week with regards to Turkey. Yes, uncertain times there. But in the week ahead, what can we expect? We have US employment data. It's a very closely watched series, this, as Jay Powell is tightly focused on the strength of the labour market when he's making his decisions about future interest rate rises. And then we've got a forecast for payrolls to increase by over 600,000. That's almost double the increase of February. And the jobless rate there falling to 6% from 62 I think we've got an OPEC meeting, but they're unlikely to change any production targets, given the uncertainty over demand. But also PMI data from China, Asim. Any thoughts there? Yes, that's right. So on Wednesday and Thursday, we have some manufacturing PMIs from China for the month of March, and they should impact on equity market risk sentiment later in the week. So the readings are expected to increase modestly versus the figures we saw in February. So it's expected that the underlying manufacturing activity growth would have remained solid. Whilst higher metal prices, which we've seen over the past few weeks, are typically associated with strong manufacturing PMIs, so expectations are for a slight uptick in the March readings. What's up with interest? Thank you both very much. Thanks, Lorna. Thank you.